It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Ready or not, here we are another Saturday morning together. Welcome to Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, along for the ride the next three hours. I got DeMarco, I got Jason. Everyone's got a lot of energy on a Saturday morning, so that's how we like to kick off the weekend. Hoping to spend some time by the pool today, but I don't know. There's a chance for showers here and there. Yesterday, we spent finishing a friend's deck. Oh my gosh, that has been a grueling project. So as a reward, yes, I would like to think that we could spend some time at the pool and relaxing today. Whatever you have in store, I hope it's going to be a good day for you. I know you've been spending some time outside, maybe learning a little more about the outdoors, whether you're shopping in a nursery, picking out flowers for the first time, tending to your vegetable garden, your pasture, your farm, or just getting out there mowing the grass. Every week, you need to be doing it every week for sure. Um, welcome to the show. I hope you you learn a lot here. We learn a lot together. And if ever you have anything you want to throw out there for listeners, something you've learned or a way that you've tried to do something and it has successfully worked for you over the years, we're happy to have you along. 404-872-0750. So coming up on the show today, there's a lot. Walter calls at the bottom of the hour, and today he says we're going to talk about herbicides. So I would imagine which ones work, which ones don't, but also just how to identify herbicide damage on your plants. A lot of times you'll send him photos or talk to each other in the garden blogs about why tomato leaves are curling or other symptoms of plants that may be herbicide damage and it's something you haven't considered. It can travel like 100 yards. So even if you didn't use it in your yard, perhaps a neighbor did. So we'll get a little more into that and really excited for dogs fans and myself. I graduated in 2005 from UGA. I got uh, former football head coach Jim Donnan along as the celebrity gardener. He is so much fun. We had a a good pre-conversation about that. So he'll be joining us at 7 o'clock as a celebrity gardener. And then we're going to be talking garden tools in in hour number three and kind of what you need, what the basics are to get started, and maybe some innovative uh, products when it comes to watering, overhead watering, that kind of thing. So I'm excited to learn a little more about that. Tools are just one of those things I don't really know that I've bought that many. They've just been handed down to me. But if I went to a hardware store or Pike Nursery and just looked at the row of tools in front of me, I wouldn't know. What do I What do I need? What are some of the basics? So at eight o'clock, we'll get into all of that. So I want to let you know just one of the things that I have seen recently in my landscape. Yeah, I'm still tending to the vegetable garden, mowing the grass, really enjoying the hostas are starting to bloom. Your hostas, if you've got those big leafy plants that you don't quite know what they are, and they've just got layers and layers of leaves, they're low to the ground, but then all of a sudden they get these tall stalks and stems, and they've got some purple flowers coming from them, so that's been fun to see. But uh, black spot in my roses, and Walter and I had a great conversation about roses a couple weeks back on the show, and I didn't think it would happen to me. And it did. I've had success with these knockouts that have been in the ground for at least 10 years. Never really any problems. Maybe some, you know, I've applied some insecticides a couple of years, um, but they do really, really well. And that's not the case now. So not only is black spot evident on the leaf, and it goes from green to yellow to brown to black. It's just an awful progression that you can see happening on each leaf. But to me, I've noticed the stems in which the leaves are affected those stems seem skinnier. They're still green, but they seem a lot more pencil thin 
than the stems and the stalks that are hardy and healthy on the knockout rows. So just reading up a little bit about that, I got out there and did the best I could to prune out the affected leaves. And it's so important. We have so much control over cultural things in our landscape, right? You just kind of think Mother Nature is going to take care of that aspect. But cultural control is just really containing the environment and doing what you can to make the environment a little bit better. So in this case, I can't just do nothing. I have to remove the affected leaves from the plant, but also from the base. And what I really need to do is get out there at the base of the two knockout bushes, rake out the old mulch, make sure I've raked out the leaves that are affected, and maybe apply some some new mulch, some good clean mulch. That's going to be one step. But removing the leaves that are affected I tried to do that just as quickly as I could. And I was also pruning back the knockouts. Now is a good time to do that. You can do that anytime, just kind of deadhead them and, and they'll keep blooming, of course, throughout the summer. But so now the next step is fungicides, okay? And Walter and I spoke with alternating fungicides, like use one every seven to 10 days, and then the next application is another type so that they don't become resistant to it. So uh, Mancazeb is put out by Bonide. That's a good one. Bonide also has Infuse. Uh, there's daconil, which is a very common fungicide that you may have in the garage. Um, there's there's a lot. So just look on the label. They um, control blight. They control black spot. But then there's also another article that I found that fungicides fall into two categories. So when you're thinking about it, one's curative. So it attacks the fungus that's already affected the plant and then preventative. So it inoculates the plant tissue so that that doesn't happen. So if you're controlling, trying to control black spot, with one that's preventative, then you're too late. So that is something to think about. Um, and I and I don't know really how you tell the difference. So I want to I want to read more about that because daconil was just one that was top of mind for me. So maybe if I spray that fungicide, that's too late. The preventative, it's not going to work. Um, and neem oil is also another good one. So if you've got any advice on that, I would love to hear from you. 404-872-0750. We'll talk about anything. And you know, we're going to talk about blueberries. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Nicole, good morning, Nicole. Ashley. How are you? Fine, thanks for everything. Yes. The uh, camping, uh, was it nice? Can you build a fire last week? Yes, one night we built a fire. Uh, camping was fantastic. It was good to get away. It wasn't very far from the house, but it felt worlds away. And, of course, Shadow is the main attraction. We take her camping and we walk her, you know, we take her for a walk around the campground. And Nicole, I'm telling you, this 120-pound dog, as tall as me, is the main attraction. All the kids run out from their campsites to come pet her and see her. And her name preceded her. Like, kids we hadn't even seen came out. And they're like, is this Shadow? And they want to pet her and hug her neck. And it's just so much fun. So I think she was she was worn out from all the attention. But it was a great time. How, how are you holding up? How's things going? Uh, it's fine. Uh, the first few years I was ill because in Canada, within a, uh, only a few months, you could go and camping. Yeah. And I was always by myself. I always carry a little dog with me because they're there to protect us. If they can, they can see something or they can hear something, they're going to wake you up and tell, tell you something is wrong. You know, uh, you, I know you, this dog is so huge and so big. <laughs> if uh, too many people pet them with their hands, dishwasher after, after you're going to... Uh, you know, I thought about that. Yes. I think about the dog's hair holding, yeah. you know, people's germs and oils from their hands, of course, and stuff, and also poison ivy, because she tromps through the poison ivy sometimes, and I'm highly allergic now that I've gotten older, and I worry about that. You know, all those oils probably stay on their fur and their skin, sure. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poison ivy. Oh, big pest. Oh, yeah. I I can't stand it, and I can't get ahead of it. (laughs) Same here. I just look at it, and it comes to me. Me, too. Oh, ridiculous. I went to, uh, well, I had blueberry problem this year. I think uh, think the environment got a lot to do if it rains every day or every Mm -hmm. other day. Um, When I was going to a master gardener program, the main motto was to be clean, not to let anything underneath the roses because it go from one spot to the other. Even if you if you blueberry uh, drop on the ground, mm-hmm. it can be uh, a thing for next year. I think the environment has got a lot to do, but I think if you put the right plant at the right place they can defend themselves i think so too and cultural practices like i was saying are just so important and that's something that we don't really think about yeah you're treating it with you know chemicals if need be and you're and you're pruning things back or whatever but really thinking about the overall health of the plant and really getting down there at the base like you said removing blueberries and fruit that have dropped especially like for example with peaches Brown rot is happening to so many people right now, and you've got to remove those peaches from the tree or the ones that have fallen underneath and chuck it as far away as you can from the tree so the spores don't spread. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and the year before, like last year, we had August and September with no rain. It was so dry. You couldn't even, you know, it was just incredible. It will impact the next year season. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, my blueberry, you know, um, I didn't put some water, should have put some water, but they're getting older, maybe they need to be replaced, you know, because all the leaves are black spots, and I said, good grief, it's just, it produced, but it's not going to be good for next year. And this to was on give the blueberries? Them, yeah, give them some energy, need some green leaves. Yeah, yeah, and and now we're getting to the point where we're almost ready to harvest a lot of that fruit, and then we're going to be able to prune it back, and I think that's probably one of the best preventative things you can do is go ahead and, you know, prune it now, and then that way it's kind of getting a little bit of a fresh start next year. Do you prune blueberries every year or no? Yes, I, I do. Um, not when they need the energy, like August, September, just right. let accumulate energy for next year. But in winter time, when you see a branch, uh, they will drop their leaves, you know. But mm-hmm. if you see a dead branch, just it takes, you know, dead stuff takes a lot of energy out of any plant. Like us, if we have our arms that are almost dead, you cut it and and nipping in the bud. Well, in the same way, you know, for our hair, you have loose hair and hair that falls out, but that's falling out to make room for new follicles and new hair. So the same should be thought for plants. I had a great call last week, someone calling about deadheading petunias. And yeah, you don't have to, but if you do, if you manually go out there and deadhead those or many, many flowers, that leaves, yeah, room for energy and new blooms and plants just thank you for it. You know, they just become a lot more prolific when you deadhead them for sure. Yes. Knockout roses. I put one in the ground probably 10 to 15 ago. I swear, it is so tough. They um, are, except when the rose rosette hits, which that, that was kind of my yes. first thought when I saw those leaves. I started freaking out thinking, oh, no. But rose rosette is going to exhibit a lot different symptoms. It's going to be gnarly. The growth is going to be curled and stuff like that. So I quickly realized all I had was black spot. But, oh, Nicole, you're right. They're tough. They're resistant. And if you put it in the right place, a plant can really protect itself. That is, that's one of the best things I've heard. You're right. 
Yes, because uh, you give them the base, you give them the place, you know. Uh, sometime in the afternoon, maybe they need a little shade, mm-hmm. you know, but not too much. But a uh, knockout roses, try, uh, actually, try to uh, put completely on uh, in fall, uh, like in winter, mm-hmm. before they start doing new leaves, you know. Cut it completely to the ground. You See, cannot kill yeah, it. You cannot I, kill this no, thing. No, and I usually do that right around Valentine's Day. Yeah, I cut them all the way back, and and they, they do just fine, my goodness. Well, Nicole, I hate to, but it's time to go. Enjoy but your day. Save me some blueberries, would you? I will. I love it. Always great to hear from you. I'll catch up with you soon. Enjoy your day. You too. All right, 404-872-0750 if you want to take Nicole's place here on Green and Growing. We're going to take a break and be right back. I'm Ashley Frasca on WSB. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. Louis Armstrong, what a way to start a Saturday morning. Good pick, Jason. I like it. And Mickey Gasaway, uh, she just texted me. It was great to hear from her. Her blueberries have been really good this year. The favorite thing is she doesn't have to spray them at all. Just fertilize them a little bit in early spring. And voila, yeah, hers were tall. I saw pictures on Facebook. So mine are getting there. It's time to repot them. They've been in the same pots in the deck for four years. So we already have the new pots in place, ready to do it, just not right now. So the weekend weather, I know you want to know, brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, there is a 30% chance for scattered thunderstorms possible around Metro Atlanta. I think that was much the same as yesterday. High of 86 and low of 70. Tomorrow, a little less chance for a stray afternoon uh, thunderstorm, but meteorologist Brad it's not ruling that out. A little bit warmer. Highs around 90s and low around 70. Green and Growing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Remembering to give you guys a garden to-do list so you don't get overwhelmed. If, if there's just three things you have time to do this weekend, this could be three of those things. Not limited to, but here are three. So removing cucumbers. Now here's a good way to do that if you're starting to see some fruit and you're just that lucky. Mine are nowhere close. Uh, Turn the fruit parallel to the vine and then just give it a quick snap. You don't want to damage the vine, so you want a clean break when you go to remove the cucumbers and then cut or pull them, just leaving the short stem on each as you harvest them. And number two, to protect bees that pollinate many of our crop plants, spray pesticides in the evening if you even have to. Spray them in the evening after the bees have returned to their homes. Your garden will thank you for that. And number three, this is something, this is an argument, uh, you know, marital spat all of you have them do this don't do this i don't know i always liked bagging the lawn clippings um i just thought it just was cleaner like i said cultural practices whatever but you know what after there's been struggles in the industry about whether or not to do it don't bag them or rake them let them lie on the lawn and return the nitrogen to the soil who knew all right it's time to get out and take a break to check news weather and traffic and we'll be back with your calls in minutes on green and growing on wsb It's 
Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Dancing around in the studio at 6.35 because i got to wake up. It's really hard. I had a long week, so it's, uh, it's hard to shake the cobwebs out of your head. I've been awake now for two hours, but come on. Got to get with it. I know all of you are more awake than me because you're calling. You're calling 404-872-0750, and I love it. And DeMarco just walked in, and Jason's been here for a little while, so we're all awake. So I want to grab some calls. We're going to wait to hear from Walter Reeves, the OG gardener, because Walter Wonders is coming up. So don't go away. Stick around. 404-872-0750. I know you want to stick around to hear Mike from McDonough's question. Hey there, disc golf driver. How are you? Good morning, Ashley. How are you? I'm great. Good, good. Well, I'm calling for some advice. All right. I hope I can. <laughs> I hope I can help. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, with this whole COVID thing, I've been home and my yard looks great. Yeah, you shown it's me some great years. pictures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the blueberries—they're—it's uh, a bumper crop. Now, have but, y'all already harvested some? Oh goodness, we have bags and bags in the refrigerator. In the and then, yeah, as I say, and then you freeze them, and you're you're all set. All right, so blueberry muffins will be delivered to the traffic center when? Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what, my wife makes a serious blueberry cinnamon muffin, so oh, I'll see what I can do. Sounds amazing. All right, very good. I'm I'm so glad people are enjoying their blueberries this year. That just seems to be the trend for sure. <laughs> okay, but the one problem I'm having is I have a clematis. And it, it, the leaves are spotting and they're browning. And I'm afraid it's not going to have enough energy for next year. So what I'm afraid of there is just that's that's happening to a lot of plants. A lot of plants are exhibiting those symptoms. And it's simply just all the rain we've had. They don't have time mm-hmm. to dry out in between the heavy rains because we've had them almost every day. And is it getting good air circulation or are the vines just so thick and lush with leaves that there's not really a lot of room for air to go around them? Well, uh, they were thick, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're getting more and more air in between them as the leaves fall. Right, right. And sometimes uh, clematis is prone to a wilt as well, but typically they do bounce back. They may not bounce back in time for this year, but it's nothing to really worry about, nor much you can do. Um, but I'm just going to say, Mike, that that's environmental. I mean, that's really beyond our control with the leaves spotting like they are. That's just too much mm-hmm. moisture. So make sure the soil's well-drained. If you need to add a little bit of fresh soil and gently mix it in, I would. Um, and make mm-hmm. sure, are they mulched as well? They are not because it's, it's up against the house. So I, I try not to let the critters have a path up to the foundation. Yeah, chipmunks definitely enjoy making those paths for sure. But that's kind of a catch-22 because mulch, you know, helps them retain moisture when need be, but also Mm -hmm. regulates the moisture and the amount of rain that's getting into the soil. So just, I hate to tell you, but just let the leaves be as they are. I don't think you have any kind of, you know, fungus or bacterial issue or whatever. I really just think it's the amount of rain. So do what you can just to regulate that moisture. Airflow Mm -hmm. may be, you know, like you said, airflow is improving just as a byproduct of what's happening. So that may help. And just, you know, prune out some of the bad spots. But I think just let it be. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to be okay. All right. Thanks, Ashley. All right. Real good uh, to hear from you. you. All right. We'll talk to you Uh, soon. Tell the wife I said hello. All right. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Now, uh, up next, we go out to Rockdale County. Good morning, Calvin. How are you? Hello. Happy. Good morning to you. How hey. are you doing? Uh, it's been a while since we've heard from you, right? <laughs> yes, it yeah. has. Yeah. Well, welcome back. 
Thank you. Thank you. All right. So over the past two years, I've lost my watermelon vines oh, oh no. by midsummer. Okay. Um, it, it begins with a little spot on the leaves close to where the, the vine comes out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Get black. Um, the leaves go from a vibrant green, become the yellow, and eventually they get um, brown, brown and crispy. Oh, no. And that effect radiates from there, and before long, all the leaves have, would have fallen off the vine. Uh, so, do you get um, any fruit at all? Well, yes, uh, I get fruits, but when that happens, you know, there are just scores of fruits left out in the field, you know different stages of development, which never really ripen. Mm-hmm. So, but I do get some early on. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, in order to stay on the vine long enough and to be able to ripen and really get that right flavor and, and in time to harvest the leaves and the vines, it's very important all of those stay healthy. Right. So, Calvin, I can almost guarantee you what's going on there is a, a fungus in the soil um, because crop rotation for watermelons you can stretch it if the soil stays nice and clean, maybe up to four years. But I would say, you know, like maybe every two years, if you've just had these problems, you've got to go ahead and rotate the crop. So fungus is living in that soil and just infecting the plant year after year after year. So it's not anything you're doing. Um, but next year, you probably need to definitely move to a new spot and really till out that soil very, very well, introduce new soil. But I would not plant in that soil for a year. Anything that's going to be susceptible to that, which is most fruit and vegetable crops. Um, maybe just, you know, plant flowers or something there for one year just to <laughs> let the soil. And I know you, you may be limited on space, too, so that stinks to have to think you need some new space for watermelons because God knows they need a lot of room. But for now, all you can really do is to slow the spread of the fungus with the leaves. So as I was talking about at the beginning of the show with the black spot on the roses, same thing, just a preventative fungicide, to just spraying them with a preventative fungicide. Any bonide product is going to work real well, but slow the spread of what you've got now. But I'm, I'm almost guaranteed that it's a soil issue. Well, what I did this year, I have put uh, this uh, fabric over the beds. Mm-hmm. And I've mulched, you know, uh, but I still see evidence of it, you know, creeping up already. Yeah, yeah. And those roots go really deep, too. They have a deep root system and it has to be a well-drained root system. So I'm not sure how the the fungus begins, um, you know, just culturally where it comes from or why, why it lingers so long. But they are known to really linger in the soil a long time. So you're not doing anything wrong. It's just one of those things that happens and we, we learn and we move on from it. And then you're able to plant there maybe in another couple of years and kind of like starting starting fresh, you know. Okay. Oh, Calvin, I hate that for uh, you. At least you got some, though. I mean, it wasn't all for naught, right? Yeah, but uh, they see here, they're like, so many just left out. Yes. Oh, it's but you, so know, you know who likes it? The chickens. <laughs> oh, do they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I love it. What That's else it. are you growing out there? Um, I have fruit trees. Um, pears, plums, apples, nectarine. Uh, wow. Or do got, you do you uh, have good luck with the plums this year? Yes, uh, but oh man, peaches! Oh god, isn't that funny? We're the peach state, I, and that is one of the hardest things to do. Oh yeah, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Every but other peach grower is totally yeah. understanding what your sigh is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tomatoes are doing fine. Cucumbers, everything is peppers. Everything is fine. Yeah, it's just. Uh, watermelons. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. The soil. Oh, that's so bad. Well, Calvin, I hope that helped out a little bit. I wish I could have given you better news. But at least for now, a fungicide is going to give you a little bit of relief. Just follow the label directions. I don't think you need to spray it any more than, you know, once a week and just be, um, you know, be, be kind of hold back with it a little bit. But that should at least slow it down so we can make it through the rest of the summer. All right. Great hearing from you. Have a wonderful morning. All right. Darren and Monroe and James and McDonough, also James and Stone Mountain. Y'all hang tight because got Walter Reeves on the line. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. Back with the OG Gardener, if you will, Walter Reeves. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, so, the OG Gardener. Get out. Yeah, the way that that guy, the voice guy, says in the promo, and I thought it was Old Gangster, which you're not old at all, but come to find out, I think it stands for Original Gangster. Original. The Original Gangster Gardener. Here I am. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, there you are. <laughs> Look it up in the Urban Dictionary. It's fun. I, I don't OG. know. <laughs> that sounder, I, I did not write that script, but it's very cute. So, nevertheless, really glad to have you back and your knowledge and your expertise. You help me. You continue to help so many of our listeners. You're so fortunate, and I'm so glad that you still hear from so many when they send you these yeah. inquisitive pictures and questions, and you're able to take that content and use it for the website and your AJC article every Thursday. But this one is a tricky one. You get this a lot, and I don't know if it comes in different forms and different looks, and it's hard to identify, or if you just know it spot on every time, but herbicide damage and what that does to yeah. different plants and trees. You know, actually, you would think in this day and age that folks would have learned you don't ever play around with herbicides because they will <clears throat> they will harm your other plants if you mistakenly get a, a weed killer onto your hydrangeas or tomato or your um, coleus or whatever you have that is going to hurt it. And I will have to say to people who are gardening listening right now, if you have a sprayer, you should have one sprayer in your shed that's labeled herbicides, weed killer. Mm-hmm. Only use this one for that. Yes. Because if you try mixing and, and rinsing your sprayer between sprays, you use insecticide one day and weed killer the next day, and it gets onto your tomatoes or squash or beans, oh, it'll make them weird looking. And that's when they send pictures to me. The gardeners send pictures saying, Mr. Reed, why does my tomato look this way? It's all... The leaves are strappy. That's the best way to describe it. They're cupped and strappy. They twist around in various ways. The reason for that is because many weed killers are actually a hormone. and They make the tomato plant or make any weed, I should say, any weed die by growing itself to death. Oh. That's literally what some of the weed killers do. And so on a tomato, if you get a very, very light spray from drifting over from, you know, somebody spraying weed killer on a lawn 50 yards away, or they put uh, granular weed killer down, weed feed down, and it's sort of a hot day, it volatilizes, it evaporates off the lawn and drifts over to your tomatoes. Then that causes the leaves on the tomato to grow themselves in weird ways, strappy, curvy, uh, cuppy. Just going around and around like a snake, sort of. That's all because of the hormones in the weed killer. So talk about different herbicides. We know Roundup, for example, is one with mm-hmm. gly- glyphosate in it. Um, systemic, working yeah. from the base of the plant and the roots all the way up, right? Yeah, that's what a systemic. Mostly they're systemic insecticides, not so many systemic herbicides. Oh, okay. But, the, but Roundup <clears throat> is considered a systemic herbicide, but the, it really makes... 
different, I, I'm puzzled by this. I don't know the answer to this or why it does it this way. But when you mistakenly put a little bit of Roundup on a tomato plant, the effect on the tomato is to have the bottom half of the leaf will be the brightest yellow you've ever seen in your garden. The bottom half of the leaf, bright, 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 bright yellow. And the top of the leaf will be green. And if I see a picture again, when someone sends it in and says, Mr. Reese, my tomatoes don't look so good. And I see that bottom half yellow, top half green. I think, ah, somebody can spray Roundup within, and it can be a long way away. It can be within 50 yards Whoa, easily. Really? If somebody sprays Roundup 50 yards away and it drifts over or a little bit of breeze or something, that'll make it round. The tomato, I mean, have the Roundup sign. Bottom so, half yellow, top half of the leaf green. Either way, it sounds like it's going to be fatal, whether it's on a tomato plant or any other plant. But what damage happens the quickest? Is it when it's, you know, the herbicide comes in contact with the soil or when it's airborne mm-hmm. and comes in contact with the leaves? Airborne on the leaf, on the leaf. And, the, the you know, I said there was a puzzle in my head about Roundup effect. I told you the effect of tomatoes are half, half yellow, half green. Mm-hmm. But on shrubbery, and I see it on roses, on spirea, on whew, what do I say, Nandina, Camellia, thinking of all the different ones I've seen so far this year. The effect is little balls of tiny leaves spread up and down the stem. They won't nearly be the right size leaf. It'll just be a little ball of a hundred little tiny leaves hmm. spread every six inches or so up and down the stem of the Nandina, let's say, or the Spirea, or whatever you think looks weird. And that effect, that uh, visual clue, I guess, that Roundup has been sprayed on that shrub, just a little ball of leaves. And what can we do? I know some, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not anybody who's qualified to tell you whether it's safe or not. But if it was me, I would let the plant grow out of it. Most of the time, that light of an application of either the the weed killer herbicide or the Roundup herbicide, if the plant can recover from it and grow through it, I wouldn't feel bad, wouldn't feel uh, unsafe in eating the tomatoes from it. Some may choose not to, that's fine. But me, myself, I would go ahead and let the plant grow for a while and see how badly it's damaged. If the cupping from the weed killer straightens back out, the tomato looks normal. If the half yellow, half green on the leaves straightens out, the leaves start looking green again, flowering has tomatoes, I would not feel uncomfortable eating those tomatoes. Could we try to water it down as quickly as we notice the herbicide damage? Obviously, Smart you're not idea. going yeah. to. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, not going to yeah. know when the neighbor sprayed it necessarily. You may see it a day or two later, but as quickly as you can, do that. Yeah, wash it off. Yeah, that's a good good point. Good point. Walter, thank you so much for your observations on that. We'll be on the lookout, but probably best just to not use a herbicide around things that sure. you're really trying to be careful with. Manual removal of weeds. A lot of people hate yeah. me for saying it. But <laughs> you I- <laughs> don't hurt a tomato by pulling weeds. You don't hurt the tomato at all by pulling a weed next to it. Amen. All right, Walter, thanks for joining us. Have a great Saturday. See you Saturday, Ashley. And thanks to Finley Roofing for sponsoring your weather update today. Scattered thunderstorms possible, high around 86, low of 70. Warmer tomorrow, but don't rule out the chance for a stray afternoon thunderstorm. Again, that's possible. Welcome to summertime in Atlanta. James and Stone Mountain, you're up next. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. What's going on with the tomatoes? Uh, they're, they're rotting on the vine before they turn ripe. Where's the rot? Is it on the bottom? 
Yes, under the bottom, yes. Okay. Is this your first time doing tomatoes, or are you an old pro? Uh, first time. Oh, good. I love to hear that, James. All right. Well, I got some news for you, and you are going to be smarter than all of the other tomato growers when you hear this. Blossom and rot. That is most likely 90% sure that's what you've got. That's where the blossom still is on the base of the fruit, and that becomes a dark black mushy spot and then over time if you keep it on the vine too long it's going to harden a little bit that spot will harden so that I mean scientifically it's due to calcium and all of that but the easiest thing that you can do to prevent blossom end rot going forward is consistent watering because consistent watering at the roots help calcium move throughout the plant more efficiently and that's so important for tomatoes so it's nothing you can do right now and I hate it for you. Maybe there are some that have gotten large enough where you can cut that away. But consistent watering, and you always water at the base of the tomatoes, James. Never overhead to where they stay too wet. And just make sure you've got really good soil in there. Airflow is really key as well. But blossom end rot at this point, there's nothing to do to slow it or treat it. But in the future, consistent watering is going to keep good calcium flow and you won't see blossom end rot again. I promise, I promise. All right, James and McDonough with a question about knockout roses. And we will be back on Green and Growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.